Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast with Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us. What a wild and interesting week it's been for the University of Tennessee. Um, we do the podcast on Tuesday. We're talking about, you know, Trey. We didn't know what was going on and all this. Now, all of a sudden, as we're here on Friday, Trey Smith's back. Cade Mays is in town. Um, Rob, you just never know at the University of Tennessee. Things change. Things are always moving. Things are always a, a, a front, it seems like, are always on the move. It's kind of crazy. It just, I mean, it's good news for a change, though. I mean, it seems so often, you know, it's you know, injuries, you know, go back to you know, the preseason, you know, with um, Emmett Gooden. Emmett Gooden. I mean, it ha- I mean stuff, I mean, bad stuff happens a lot in Tennessee. I mean, it, Trey Smith is a perfect example. Bad stuff, you know, has happened to him during his career. So to have that happen, to have, you know, the Caden News break, Caden Mays News break this week, Brandon Kennedy getting the elusive six year of eligibility that, you know, is always just a crapshoot. A lot going right for Tennessee's football program. Yeah, pretty, pretty Tennessee, much, maybe much. it is the decade of the Vols. Yeah, ten we'll days see. in. Ten <laughs> days in, yeah. I was gonna say, you know, really ever since uh what happened at, at Alabama, the news has has been positive. It's been, you know, about JG bouncing back. It's been these comeback wins, it's closing out you know, with a big second-half scoring barrage against South Carolina, making the stand at Kentucky, uh, finding a way, you know, to kind of snap the skid against Missouri, Vanderbilt, and then uh, what they did in the, in, the, in, the, in the comeback in the Gator Bowl. And then this first week, I mean – If you the, told Tennessee fans exiting on Monday after Bama, after the whole JG drama that you just described, that all this was going to happen, nobody would believe about, that. Do you think that after? I mean, Twitter Tottenham. yesterday was going insane. I'm sure it's going insane right now, too. But it was going insane uh, on Wednesday and Thursday. You know, with, with fans saying that Tennessee is now one of the favorites for the SEC East. Now we'll see if that if that's how it plays out. But optimism is at an all time high right now for Tennessee. Do you think that after J.G. fumbled and Diggs ran it back 100 yards from the goal line for a touchdown, the football gods finally just said, all right, that's enough. That, that's enough. <laughs> y'all, been, y'all been in punishment long enough? It's been, it's been 10 years. That's, that's enough. <laughs> it's funny because forever, you know, every time something bad happens, Tennessee fans are like, I mean, how much more? How much longer do we have to pay for I the mean, Sterner stumble? Felipe, like, you know, maybe Felipe Franks, Hail Mary, <laughs> I mean, and Callaway, fourth and thirteen. I mean, it's some great. of the most improbable things that have happened in the last ten years have happened in Tennessee. And and right now, the improbable is in a positive way for Tennessee. Let's talk a little bit about Trey Smith's d- decision to come back. First of all, clearly. Um, there was a lot. This, Rob, this had a lot of personal decision in it. It wasn't just about a number. It wasn't just about you know a business decision. I mean, clearly there was a lot of emotions involved with this and and his decision to return for his senior year, get his degree, and, and to continue to play yeah, for football. Yeah, I mean, it was apparent that the, getting the degree part was 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 a big part of it. And I'm not trying to be cynical because I mean I really believe Trey saying that you know graduating was important because of what he told his mother. But I also think it was pretty clear he didn't like the number he got back from the NFL. I mean, I think maybe if some, if he would have gotten that back a first round grade, that he might have, you know, done summer school. Yeah. Well, the way, it, well, yeah, I mean, because the way it works now is that you either get one, two, or they tell you to go home. They go tell you to go back. Right. And Trey did not get into specifics of what exactly that number was, just that it was not what he wanted to hear, and that they advised him to return to school. Uh, I mean, you know, Rob and I voiced our opinion on the Tuesday pot, and I, you know, I even wrote it. I would never begrudge a player's decision to come or go. If, if I were sitting in Trey Smith's shoes, I would have 
gone ahead to the NFL. I still think even talking with, with you know, the doctor was up there, Pruitt, Trey, there still seems to be a little bit of uncertainty about how he believes he's going to develop in terms of practice time. Jeremy hinted that maybe they would try to do one contact uh, practice a week for Trey. This he said that at season. first, but then he, back, then he backtracked back on that. And, and said that that was going to be the plan going that's, forward. That's the plan, but they don't have it. It's not something. Topelmeyer asked him a follow-up, and there was no you know, firm uh, deal in place there. So I'll be curious. You know, can he improve his draft stock? Because I, I do think that he, you know, you, he spoke to you about the continuity with Jim Chaney and that stuff, but how much is that going to help versus still kind of weighing the the, the – the, the medical concerns are never going to go away. Th- those question marks are going to be there a year from now, uh, regardless of what happens, I think, in 2020. Robin, and I, I don't want to – he did not get specific about this. But it, it certainly feels like – he feels like a, another year removed from any kind of issue will help answer some of those medical questions. In his mind, I don't know if that's what the NFL has told him, but he certainly believes that another year – medical issue free if you will yeah. will help him. Yeah, I asked him about that and that's the impression I got and I again speculation on my part. I feel like he's gotten that advice from from somewhere else. The NFL team seeing him stay, you know, issue free while dealing with this main on, on the maintenance program he's on for another, you know, 12 or 13 games will enhance his stock. And I mean, I personally feel like that's probably more important for his draft stock than his game field. I mean, I think he's proven I don't think anybody doubts that he's an NFL offensive lineman and you know, high round draft pick. Yeah, I mean, look, he may not be perfect and has things to work on. Everybody does because when you go from college to the NFL, it still remains a developmental position. Uh, but can he answer enough? Is there going to be enough that NFL teams say, "Hey, we're two years removed from that. We're going to take him off the red list or yeah. the red line." I mean, he's a first team All SEC offensive lineman. I don't. I think the questions that kept him from getting a first or second round grade are not about his game tape. Yeah, I think it's clearly about about the medical standpoint. And, you know, I don't know how many teams would have flagged him, Jesse, if he went in the draft and said, hey, we're not touching it, period. You know, is that half the league? Is that, you know, a third of the league, a quarter of the league? Is it five teams? You know, I don't have any idea. There would have been some who would have said, absolutely, regardless of our need, he's not on our board, okay? So if, if it's ten teams, then that changes, you, you know, the – where oh, you well, land. I, I mean, it, you it, could have it, fallen to the fourth or fifth round. Then you got to figure out how many of those twenty teams that you're talking about need linemen, right? Want to you guard, know, you know, yeah. and, and do they want to guard in the third round if there's a receiver there? Oh. You know, there, there's a lot of variables. You could never get the clear answer to that, though. I mean, it's not like he could sit here and go, but if he knew half the league was going to red redlining, then that changes your your landscape too in the draft. It does, and and just as much as we won't know if we sit here a year from now whether those same 15 teams say, we're still not going to touch them. Right. Do you think that the, the, the fact that the guy for the Chargers played this year without issue with it, do you think that, that, that the NFL can come around, would come around to it more and be more comfortable? I don't know what his maintenance plan is, okay? I don't think anybody, including Trey, you admitted he doesn't. But the fact that somebody is playing that position in the league who has dealt with blood clots remains in the league. I would say it couldn't hurt. I mean, I, I mean that would be my, the, the the simplest answer. Yeah. So, I, I, but bottom line is Tennessee. Trey feels like he can help himself a lot by coming back, and he's betting on himself. We won't know the answer to that until a year from now, whether it was the right decision for him or not for and, him. And there's no doubt that this helps Tennessee tremendously. Yeah. So, and that's where I was yeah. going next. Yeah. I mean, 
from a Tennessee perspective, if you want to look, you know, look at it from this team, you know, and I, well, we'll you, get, still, you still need your two freshman tackles to have a big spring and leading into fall, but it takes the pressure off a little. But you're bringing everybody back on your offensive line who played oh, really who on played both lines it. of scrimmage. I mean, both lines of scrimmage, and that's why Tennessee is going to be a little bit of a darling, a darling pick. Even though they they got questions at quarterback, everybody in the East, everybody in the East got questions at quarterback. Okay, except for Florida, guess, Florida with Kyle Trask. Okay, um, but Tennessee's bringing everybody back in the line of scrimmage in what is a line of scrimmage league, which will give them. Some people will give them a lot of. You know, hey, Tennessee's really on the move. Yeah, I mean, here. I I, did, I had an analysis piece that came up right after Trey. Uh, and obviously, the you know the wild card here is Cade Mays, and and I I think there's optimism that he is going to get uh, said waiver. So you know we'll see there. And and I you know I put in all caps in the piece. You know if this is kind of how some of these sliding door dominoes go, but you're returning everybody. I think it's going to elevate the competition in the room, which is something that I expect we're going to hear from Jeremy Pruitt. And the one time we talked to Will Friend, them both speak about because. You know, again, as good as as much as people like the label, you know, Darnell and Wanye is five stars. Darnell Wright did not play like a five star as a freshman, and Kayron Calvert, who has as much physical ability as any O lineman on the team, ended up beating him out for that right tackle uh, job at the end of the season. Well, he continued to elevate his game. Jerome Carvin was challenged midway through the year. He started the last, you know, however many eight games of the year. I think another wild card. I had it in a piece. What happens to Jameer Johnson? This was a lost year for him. But we sat here six months ago, Hubs, and he was considered the most physical. Other than Trey Smith, they thought he was the nastiest O-lineman they had on the team. He started 11 games in Pruitt's first season. It's hard to think that he's not going to – it's hard to think that he'll be here next year, in my opinion. I agree, and I wrote, I either said, but he's either going to be a real factor on this start on, on the team or he will be seeking greener pastures elsewhere. Which would likely be, because he can't. But he would have transfer transfer down. down. And does he want to do that? Exactly. So So that's what I'm saying. So he's a wild card in my opinion. Well, and and I think think the answer, the easy answer for Tennessee with him now is you go to him, you know, you go into him, Rob, spring practice. Buddy, it's all on you. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, focused, I mean, you, 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 you know what's out here. You want to play, you got to go earn it. I mean, you didn't go earn it. You know, I, I think there was a little bit of a sense from him that he kind of thought he was, he was going to be, he was going to be the guy. You know, he was going to be one of the guys that at left on the left side of the line. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's the one guy. I mean, was there anybody else on this team? I mean, I might be missing somebody that, or at least somebody that finished the season that took to social media and made the kind of. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I, that yeah, I, I know that too. I mean, he made the opaque tweets that were that were. I mean, if know. I'm if I'm, you know, running the show here, that's I'm not taking that from my ninth best offensive lineman. You know, I mean, we're we're going to all get in the boat and row, row in the same direction. Right. That's right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. He's back because of the increase in competition and the depth that they have there. You know, they don't need him. Okay. I'm not saying he can't help them, but I'm saying they don't they don't need him. So if he wants to play. It's solely on him because you look at you look at this roster from last year, um, heading into this past season. He's the one. I mean, you go across the board. How many guys sort of went backwards? He's a guy who went. I mean, he went backwards. He was. A, I mean, he was a guy who, as you mentioned, started a bunch of games and was a non-factor. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Johnson started a bunch of games and he didn't get on Twitter and right. You know, make an ass out of himself. You know, so I mean, that, that one's. I, I don't. I'm with you guys. I don't know if he. I don't know if he fits here, um, and that's going to be up to him. He's going to have to get on board or, or get out the door, I'm sure, will be the message he hears very quickly. Let's get to Cade, okay? F- first of all, I mean, obviously, 
they are aggressively they're not going to wait around and 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 you know look for compliance people to help them with everything i mean they are aggressively going after uh the waiver by lawyering up publicly knowing that they lawyered you know they've lawyered up which is something we saw a, a big part of things with the ncaa a year ago those those student athletes who did lawyer up seemed to have more success got quicker returns quicker answers on their waivers yeah, and Mars those who helped, didn't Mars helped fields and martell yeah he helped both of them and then helped tracker. shea patterson before and some of his guys have not gotten it, but he, he has a very strong track record. And the fact that he has insight with the NCAA, with his current position, because he technically works, uh, you know, in, in a compliance manner with the NCAA, too. I mean, I, I think Cade Mays doesn't make this move if, if he doesn't have confidence that he's going to get the green light. Why does he make this move, Austin? Not happy at Georgia. Um, Is that because Sam Pittman left? Uh, I don't <sighs> I don't think it's necessarily all that. Um, is it because they've yo-yoed him around to multiple positions? I think that's potentially it. Um, or is you know, it just unhappiness? A little bit of both. And I think once Cooper, once Georgia decided not to recruit Cooper, and then Cooper was at Tennessee, Cade spent the bye week up here, he came to the game. And, and let's face it, you know, you, when, when you're 16 and your brother's 14, he's annoying. When you're 20 and your brother's 18, you're more friends. You become, you know, you, it's more of a friendship, a more of a brotherhood as you get older. And I think that, that, you know, it's not all that, but I think that, that, you know, the desire was there to want to be around Cooper, to want to be around his family. And, and you know, I, trust me, it, the easy decision was stay at Georgia, play next year. If your draft stock is good enough, you go. And if not, then you grad transfer back. You know, that's the, that was the easy decision. Because, you know, there's no 100% check-it-off guarantee that he's going to be eligible. But, you know, he, he felt, as Jesse said, felt like he had, they had a good enough case and had, had researched it enough and, and decided to pull the trigger. It's an interesting move. I, I mean, mean, the timing kind of, of the lawsuit and all, you start, you start doing it, it. This is clearly something. Premeditated? Yeah. I mean, 100%. I mean, you mean talking about the move? Yes. The, the, not, not, not the, I mean, the lawsuit's been coming. I mean, but, but you're saying the decision to transfer this week has been on the books for a while. That's yes. what you're indicating, But, but right? the, I mean, the lawsuit, did, did, they did not file that lawsuit so until did, December, December 7th right. or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, however it happened, I, you know, Tennessee got, which is funny that – I think one of Cade's issues is that he did get yo-yoed around and play. That's to me that makes him as attractive as anything for Tennessee. His versatility, his flexibility, the, the, the options that he gives Will Friend. Cade Mays is not a natural left tackle, but he could play any of those other four spots. Which Easily. Tennessee Tennessee was fortunate this past season they did not suffer an offensive line injury. How rare is that? I mean, some guys were dinged up here and there, but nothing was major. Cade gives you that again. Caveats aside, if he's eligible, gives gives Will Friend some major flexibility next season. I would think he'd be the natural, you know, contender because he has more upside. I mean, Carvin at right guard that you know I had his snap count in my piece. He's played way more at right guard than any other position, like over 600 of his thousand some odd snaps. But he can play some right tackle. He can play center. You know, it, it's 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 a valuable little piece that's kind of this Swiss Army knife. Um, that Tennessee can kind of plug in it, plug in. Well, it's just what his dad did, Rob, when he was here. They played him all over the place. I mean, one game he would be at tackle, the next game he'd be at guard. One game it's right side, one game it was left side. That's a that was a Philip Fulmer staple. And he was really athletic. 
Yeah, he was. Like, yeah, I mean, really, really athletic. For, for an offensive lineman. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's interesting. The amount of money that Kevin would have made in the NFL, I mean, he would have he would have paid, played a long time in the NFL had he not injured his knee training for the NFL draft uh, here in Knoxville because uh, he would have been obviously a, a really good player. So you got those two things uh, on your um, with the offensive line. You got Joe Doyle goes into transfer portal. Anybody else? I mean, classes have started. I mean, is is this roster set till spring, and then we see what moves happens after spring? I think it's likely set till spring. You know, I, that that makes the most sense. You know, because um, the, they kind of got rid of the guys that were not really happy. Right. You know now. What does Jameer Johnson do? I mean, we just talked about that. I mean, that's one I would watch in the next couple, in the coming days, just because, you know, does he get, does he look and go, gosh, I ain't gonna play here. I didn't play the back end of the year really, you know, and, and I, I need to bounce out of here. Or does he, you know, take the wait and see approach, play the spring, and then? Yeah, his whole transfer situation may be challenging because he's a, he's already transferred. What he transferred <laughs> out of high school to junior college and back to here. I mean, he, he's got. He's not an easy, easy to bounce guy, uh, but you know may, maybe somebody else moves. But you've gone to class, you're not past the drop ad, drop ad deadline. But guys are in school, so we'll see if anybody else do, doesn't, you know, or makes a move or, or doesn't make a move. O- on the coaching front, more moves coming, we think potentially. I think it's very fluid. I mean, you know, I, I do. I, I don't think anything's locked up in terms of. He's got one spot to fill, and that's where it's at. I think there's still a lot of moving parts out there that could create some more movement for Tennessee. Not saying it will happen, but I think that potential is definitely there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that you're looking at – I think probably if you're setting, you know, a number, I would say two makes the most sense as far as more more moves. What's what you said? Staff. You, you, you said the over-under at three. You said three – Three months ago, right, Jesse? Yeah, yeah, and 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 I, one is off the board. You right, know, one has happened, and I would say that I, I'm I'm in agreement with Austin that I I would expect at least two more. A couple couple more to take take place. Sounds, and there could be more than that, or there could be you know like you just said. I mean, fluid. Well, and, and just there, like coaching, and just like recruiting. I mean, things change. You know, Trey Smith. There was folks that said a week ago that weren't quite sure what Trey was going to do, and then the rumblings in the last four or five days was that he had made the decision to stick around. Which, but by the way, it sounds even, like he made it Monday night. Yeah. And kind of went to bed with when, it Monday when he night. Went, when he met with Jeremy and them over in Jackson. Right. Go ahead, let me interrupt you. And so what I was going to say is is that that could have changed Thursday morning. You right. know, he could have woken up or gotten a phone call or whatever, but it didn't. So I, I would st- I would set it that there's going to be at least two more staff changes. Okay. Yeah, and, and people have asked, you know, what's the latest on the running back deal? He's not, he's not in any rush. Coach Pruitt. Coach Pruitt's not in any rush, and here's why. Because if you're going to have more change, and you know you're going to have to give some guys some bumps that are on staff, then you need to figure out where your salary money is, where your where your pool is, how much money do you have. You may it may cost you more to bring in a more uh, higher end defensive line coach if you decide to make a move on Rocker or a guy to replace Chris Rumpf. Whereas you know, you you but you may get them cheaper. You don't know, so it depend that could that could determine what happens with the running back hire. You know, if they have more money, then I think Jay Graham is right at the top of the list. If they have to go cheaper, I look more along the lines of Ontario Hardesty. Yeah, and that, and also, you know, what kind of pool is Philip? Philip Fulmer's not going to take the pool down, but is he going to grow that pool? Is he going to say, hey, you know, we're giving, I'm, I'm bumping up X amount of dollars to, to, for your pool, sort it out however you want to sort it out, or is it going to be, hey, 
you know, you basically got what you had to work with, manage it that way. That Those are things that Jeremy Pruitt and, and Philip Fulmer are obviously talking about. All right, let's flip it over to recruiting right quick. He had a chance to visit with Jay Hardy. Um, feels like Tennessee's got a chance, Austin, but maybe that, that's, a, that's a bigger uphill climb, or is it about the climb you thought after talking to him? About what I thought, I, I said in the chat last week that I thought you'll know by January 25th how the visits go coming out of the dead period. Does he make it up here for a basketball game? If all those things actually do happen and the visits go well, you're going to know, I think, okay, you're beating your head against the wall or okay, we have a shot, you know, with, you know, seven or eight days to go. So I think by the 25th of January, you'll have a good idea of whether they have a real shot at this or not right now. I mean, people have asked, I know you put 51%, and I think it's very down the line, because I thought when he didn't sign that that was open invitation to come to Tennessee. And see, I asked him that last night. I said, you know, why did you not sign? And he goes, well, I, I was in Florida at a basketball tournament. I said, you can send that in from anywhere in the world. And then it was like, well, I wanted to sign with my teammates. So, like, you know, we're, we're, we're changing our story here when we get called on I the mean, carpet it's, on the, the it's, facts. It's, cl it's clearly an open invitation to recruit him, but it's not an open invitation to say, I'm not going to, I don't want to go to Auburn. I think it's enough people, it sounds like enough people around Jay Hardy are in his ear convinced him, hey, give Tennessee, give Tennessee a better chance, okay? You were all Tennessee, and then all of a sudden it flips. Well, Let's make sure, give it a chance. I think it's funny. And I'm not going to say that, that, you know, he doesn't have a good relationship or, or does or doesn't or whatever. I think it's funny that he keeps talking about the relationship stuff. But he's been to Tennessee like 15 times. He's been to Auburn like three times. Right. So, I mean, I, mean, I guess you can technically have a better relationship with somebody you've seen three times versus 15. But, I mean, it just seems like, you know, it just seems odd. He talks about, like, wanting to build a better relationship, but Jay doesn't really talk. He, don't, he, he told me about saying, I'm not talking to Auburn's coaches. I'm not talking to Tennessee's coaches. I'm not talking to anybody. Well, if you want a better relationship, shouldn't you, you know, want to want to talk on the phone and try to build it a little? I, it just, I don't know. It just, it's it's a weird dynamic. Yeah, his whole recruitment's been bizarre. I mean, because you know, he was going to go multiple times, move the dates back, then all of a sudden it's a flip to Auburn, um, and then all I mean, of a sudden he doesn't his, sign. And his comments, to AP, you know, last night, they were pretty striking. Just about you know, him almost challenging Tennessee's coaches to kind of come to the table in terms of building that relationship, which is interesting because, as AP said, it's not like he hadn't been a familiar face up here. Yeah. But. Well, and if you're Tennessee, I think the challenge is what does he want? Like, what, what does that mean? I mean, okay, you want a better relationship. Like, well, he specifically what, what, noted that he didn't have a relationship with the D-line coach. Right. But we know Rocker's been in the house multiple times. Right. I mean, he's been up here and been around Rocker. Now, maybe maybe Rocker has not worked the phones as hard as he should. I don't know. Right. But uh, that's been a li standard line from him for a while is the, is the lack of relationship with Trace Rocker. Can that improve over the next couple of weeks? We'll have to wait and see. D. Beckwith on the board, that was going to get wild because he's going to have a traditional recruitment. He hasn't gotten started yet. It's getting ready to get started. It is, you know, but he's going to do all this in the middle of what, Hubs? Basketball, basketball season. So, like, to me, this is where it's going to get weird because he loves basketball so much. He's, you know, high schools play Fridays. They play some Saturday games. It's going to be interesting. Does he punt on basketball games to take some of these visits? You know, I mean, I know he's got stuff scheduled, but it's just it for a guy that loves basketball as much as he does, I think it's interesting that he's going to, you know, kind of do all this right in the middle of, you know, the regular season for those high school games that determine district tournament seating and stuff. You know, how's the basketball coach going to handle all that down there at Florence? 
Um, until he set up for that last visit, I think for him, those early visits when Will Friend and who, you know whoever else goes in over there to see him, you know, just keeping Tennessee right in the, the forefront of his mind until he can get to that last official visit. Our key. Well, and that's not very long because you. No, you, it's I mean, not. You can go in the you house. Say Sixteen days. Yeah, you go in the house starting January the sixteenth. Okay, if he takes a visit that weekend, I mean, you only got a couple of times to go in the house before he visits Tennessee. Everybody else has only a couple of times to go in the house before he visits. And Tennessee. Norvell's trying to get involved there. Right. You know, Florida State's come come knocking on the door, so we'll see. Does he punt on? A Florida visit or a Kentucky visit, uh, but yeah, I mean, th- we said it's on Tuesday. We don't have to re. You know, it's in the war room last night. Tennessee's board is fairly small. Cade has now grabbed one of those spots. You know, uh, they'll go after Broderick Jones, but I, 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 I think Tennessee is likely done at the offensive line. Do they hold another spot or two for a grad transfer? Whether it's a, a wide receiver, do they do they take Caldwell? You know, the East Carolina guy, or do they hold for another pass rusher? Or do they take Velas Jones? See, I think they're going to probably end up taking Velas Jones over Jakari Caldwell. Which is a grad transfer wide receiver. Because you want – you, you feel like, feel like you need – Yeah, you need insurance. You feel like you, need a, you have a need there. I mean, when you kind of go over the receivers, they got seven. And, and one of the seven is, is D'Angelo Gibbs, who you have high hopes for because he's been so good – on scout team, but, but as Jesse has said he hadn't done it in a game. Yeah, he's not played any any, any college games. So like you know maybe if the light if the light if the light is still on in the games, then you're like okay, we've got us a dude. But doesn't always translate one way or the other. Well, and as you outlined, you know Jones has you're not really getting a huge known of Elias Jones because other than returning kicks, he has not been able to get on. But the he's a, but he's the one thing that count. he does have the one thing Tennessee does not really have, which is. The same thing Hyatt's going to bring, which is the speed. I mean, he was a state 100-meter champion in Alabama. And he may not have played a ton, but he has played some. He has practiced. He's physically a little more advanced than maybe a high school kid is. Yeah. Who would be – the Caldwell kid's probably a definite red shirt right out of the gate. So do you want a four-year guy, or do you feel like you need an insurance policy? So those are some of the challenges that you got in recruiting. Let's hit basketball right quick, Rob. Um, Missouri, Tennessee needed – it wasn't pretty at times, uh, but they found a way uh, – Bowden back. Bowden's pretty good in the first half. Disappears in the second half until he makes a huge shot down the stretch. You got Santiago who goes on his own little run there. Uh, But Tennessee finds a way in a much needed win because they got to bank wins on the front end. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to build Missouri up as some good basketball team because they're not. But I mean, Tennessee needed that game badly. And I mean, because they got it, the way the schedule falls, I mean, they got a legit chance at starting five and one, six and one in the SEC. I mean, their toughest game coming up in the next three weeks is at Georgia next Wednesday. That's tough. I mean, Georgia's, Georgia's pretty, pretty, pretty good, and they, you know, they're they're kind of getting fired up about the program. But you're home to South Carolina on Saturday. You go to Vanderbilt next Saturday, who did show show up pulse last night or Wednesday against night Auburn. against Auburn. But you got Mississippi who, at, at home, who, who's not very good. Texas A and M is an abomination. I mean, they beat Ole Miss the other night, but I think that was. That was a cripple fight. I, I didn't, I it was you, a rock fight. I, I watched. Mean, it. They're not neither one of those very good. So I mean, the way. So you're exactly right. Tennessee had to bank that one, and you know, the, with the way the schedule sets up right now, I mean, Rick's got a chance to, you know, to get this team better against in some winnable games. Man, he, he's got to start playing some some young guys, in my opinion. He basically played six people the other night. You know, he, he got he got mad at Camwa. He got mad at Gaines and, and and jerked him. I think Camwa played two minutes in the second half. Now, the good news was Jalen Johnson maybe played the best game of his career. I think that was the first time he was ever on the floor in crunch time in a, you know, in, in a SEC you know, conference game. Played well. I think that's a really good sign for Tennessee going forward. And um, 
I think Rick might have might have hit on something with playing basically four guards with, with East Ponds there at, at one time. I thought that lineup was really key in the second half. What what is this team's identity going to be? I, I think know. they're still trying I, to figure I it out. I don't but think what, they know. what is it? I, I don't think they know. I mean, is it, it penetrate kick? Is it? I mean, if they don't want to drive to the rim and get to the free throw they line. They don't have a guy. That, they don't have a guy that can really do that. I mean, I think you're seeing San, Santiago, you know, be able to drive and create for others. I don't think we've seen. I mean, any any two games, Andy. I don't want to like be critical of the kid. I mean, I think what he's done is remarkable, remarkable. But uh, just I, I don't I don't know that they have an offensive identity, especially with the way Bowden's struggling. I mean, he I mean he he showed up. He had nine first half points the other night. That was good. But then, as you mentioned, I mean, he, he disappeared in the second half. But I think Missouri made some adjustments to really go after him after halftime, and, and he had a hard time finding an answer to that. So, offensively, I, I don't know what their identity is. I mean, they, you know, Rick always wants to play inside out. I just don't think this team's capable. I mean, I, 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 I'll be surprised if he doesn't explore some options with that four-guard look around Eves and or Fulke. And the other thing this team's got to do is they got to learn to finish because, I mean, they had Missouri where they could have knocked it out. Could have knocked them right out. back in it. You know, I mean, it, it's it, up that, twelve. That's the youth that shows up. The yo-yo sure. of, of the youth is, you know, you got a chance to put it away, and, and you don't, you don't get it completely put away. So, um, what Turn, was and turnovers the, incredible. I mean, they won a game with, on the road where they had twenty turnovers or not. You will not see that happen. No, you shouldn't see often. that happen. You know, and um, things not going well for Conzo Martin up there. That's going to be an interesting rest of the year for him. But remember, I told you earlier, I was talking to. Our guy out in Missouri that because of the way his contract set up, because he made the NCAA tournament that first year, it kicked in a clause. They can't fire him this year, no matter what. No matter which. <laughs> which is, well, hey, hats off to his agent Remarkable. for putting that one in there. So that's the latest in the Tennessee basketball front. We'll see what happens with them uh, this weekend. We'll have full coverage of that coming up this weekend. And, again, we'll see what kind of identity uh, this team can, can find or not. I, I want to skip back to recruiting for just a second because I forgot one, one thing. You mentioned um, you, you mentioned the, the, the offensive lineman from down in Georgia who's committed to Georgia, Broderick uh, Jones. Auburn loses their offensive line coach. Cade Mays is here. Knows about, a lot of people have asked this on the board. How much does his Tennessee's, I don't want to say stock with him, chances with him, does it change with the Auburn situation, with the fact that you got a Georgia guy here who's going to tell him all about Georgia, you know, when he gets here on a visit, Georgia's I would, I would, got some uncertainty. Is it a big deal or no? I think, if anything, that it just if the, if there's a clear path to the field at Georgia now. I, I, honestly, if anything, I think Tennessee's stock rose when Auburn lost their offensive line coach because that I think that hurts. Anytime you lose your line coach, it hurts. But then Cade coming actually dinged Tennessee for that. But dinged hey. a little bit. But I honestly think Georgia would be the top team. Tennessee has slightly passed Auburn in my mind. And I'm not talking to the kid. I'm but just going the, off of the, the, But the, Georgia the, seems like – I mean, that's where he's been going to school. Yeah, right. and, and, I, and apparently the tight end coach was actually his lead recruiter at Auburn. So he still has one, one, the guy who he maintains the most contact with. Um, but yeah, I mean, we had it in the war room that I think it, the irony is is that with Tennessee's with some with, with getting three guys here that maybe you didn't presume would be on the roster in 2020 uh, with Trey who could play tackle but won't you know but Cade and then Kennedy getting those guys back suddenly their O line room is looking a little fuller uh, than both Auburn and Georgia. And well, so, and Tennessee's got two young tackles. Never, he's also never been here. Right. You know, this is you know he's been to Auburn and Georgia a ton of times, and so okay. this when he visits here in next weekend, that'll be his first time at Tennessee. So can't rule it out. Seems like a long shot still. I think again, you Cade if you got Velas Jones, 
you, they're going to do everything they can to flip Jay Hardy and get D Beckwith, and, and go maybe, to the house, and then maybe you go to the house, and maybe you have one spot, you know, for a summer uh, guy. If, if, if my math's right, yeah. If, yeah. if somebody, if if there's a pass rusher falls your way that you really like, or something, something crazy happens that way, perhaps. Uh, let me. So it's not. And gonna, that would be. And that would be. If you're going to take Velas Jones, that would be. I, I think Tennessee would need to really kick the tires on a grad transfer outside linebacker. Because I think that's going to be a hole on this roster next year. That would be though. You would take be taking twenty six. That would take away from the twenty one class. Yeah, and I'm saying I would do that if Tennessee looks at if they're looking if they if Tennessee seriously thinks they can compete for the East next year. Yeah, season, I don't. I would think they need to go. I don't mind giving transfer. one away. It's when you give two and three, and that's what Butch did. He was well, he was, but he was robbing Peter to pay Paul all the time. If you're going to give one away for for your future, it has to be a difference maker guy. At a great position of need, which is exactly what you're saying. You look at this roster coming out it, when you when you come out of spring practice. If DeAndre Johnson's still erratic, okay, you know what you have with Kevon Bennett. If there's nothing developing, if Roman Harrison is still, you know, you're not sure. You know, Crouch, you get you've, you you feel like you have to play him inside. Then you're sitting there going, look, we, we may be an outside backer away, a rush guy away from having a chance to. To, to, to win the East, to play, to essentially play Florida for the East, then then you try to go find somebody if, if that's where you think you are. I think that's how you use grad tra- should use the, grad transfers. The other, you asked earlier in the show or earlier in the podcast if we saw anything else coming. The one name I would watch, and I don't think he's leaving right now, but I think he potentially could leave sometime in the spring or after spring ball is Tim Jordan. I'm not sure if he sees a path here to real playing time going forward. Tim Jordan's one I would watch. And if that happens, then depending on how things fall these next couple of weeks with Beckwith and Hardy and, you know, any other grad transfer, maybe you look at a running back. My I issue think, with a grad transfer would, running back is most of those, I mean, you're getting a guy who couldn't win out, who couldn't win somewhere. I mean, you're, and you're you got three, Andre and, you just, and you just signed three guys. If, you, if, not, if one of those guys isn't good enough to play running back, then you shouldn't sign him in the first place. I just thought, I, don't, I, I think that would be a mistake. Yeah, unless and I don't think Tim Jordan is going to be the only person that leaves after the spring either, right? You know, and and this is where I think we sort of got in this discussion whether it was off air in the Tuesday pod. It does. I do think they need to look at the transfer rules and say, because you don't get it. It costs you a number to take a kid, but you don't get a number back when you lose someone. To a well, transfer. it's funny you mentioned that in or Orlando when two weeks from now I think it is. That's when you have. The, the the AD's convention, not the coaches' convention, but you have the legislative body convention, I guess. Right. One of the hot topics is going to be transfers, and I think you're going to see a movement because I think some ADs are finally, you know, going to be to the presidents and like, look, let's give them a one-time transfer. This idea that everybody's got to – because everybody's going to petition for a waiver. Everybody's going to lawyer up, you know, and all these things. Let's just – Let's just give them a one-time deal. I'm not saying that goes into effect immediately. I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think you're going to start to see a greater public movement on that front than we have in the past. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'll be curious because, you know, you mentioned about, you know, how many kids just can't find homes. There's a lot of those guys that have now pulled their names out of the train. They're staying where they're at. Which is a hard thing to do because you've declared, I want out of here, but I can't find greener pastures, so I'm going to come back, but I don't necessarily really want to be here. You know, which which is a, a tough thing to look at. Final things as, as we wrap it up. 
It's been wild for Tennessee, all the positive news, all the good news for Tennessee. Nothing has been more wild football-wise in the SEC than what's happened in the state of Mississippi. I mean, how crazy is it that Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin are now running the state of Mississippi uh, in football? Well, I mean, it all you know when, when Ole Miss decided to fire Matt Luke and hire Lane Kiffin, it changed everything. And I, I said when they hired Lane, I said Moorhead's short. He's a short timer. Yeah, you did. Well, they they backed him, and then all of a sudden Ole Miss hired Lane, and all the juice went to Oxford, and Mississippi State was left with a guy who was just a bad fit, a northeastern guy, and. When they laid that egg in the Music City Bowl, it was over. Well, and they got all the off-the-field stuff too, right, Jesse? Yeah, I mean, they, they had the Willie Gay, who had been suspended, was one of the eight guys suspended through the academic scandal throughout the season. Punches Schrader, the quarterback, starting quarterback, who misses, has to miss the game. I mean, it was... Uh, he didn't it, fall on a helmet? It, sound, it sounds like his eye looked, about, looked worse than shot Tuttle's. Um, <laughs> I don't it, know how that's possible. <laughs> oh, it looked, go, go Google it. it it's pretty bad, especially when he's got that gnarly beard with it, too. But I just think, you know, uh, but, but it, was, it, was a, it was a situation that was untenable. And the sad thing is, is that everything that's been written about Moorhead is, is that he really is a, a genuinely good guy. And he, he kind of, I think, also realized it was not a great fit. But I don't know what is a good fit at Mississippi State. Well, that's I, what know, I was going to ask you. Le- are Le- these two guys are these two guys bad fits in Mississippi? I mean, Leach Le- struggled. Leach struggled in year one at Washington State. I mean, he could put up some major points, but that's a way easier job than what he just inherited. And so, you know, kudos for getting weird. You know, I mean, the Bulldogs are going to have to do something weird. But his air raid is not nearly as weird as it was five years ago. Because right. everybody's and, playing to that yeah, to and, a degree. And so the ingenuity in that, I think, is. Is less than some. How how willing he's is he wanting to recruit? I mean, you know, I laughed a couple of years ago. It would have been fantastic if he had come to Tennessee, just because he's a nut job. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if I don't know if the days are long for him or Kiffin. Kiffin just screamed that Ole Miss, you know, does not give a flipping you know anything, and they're just going for it, and they're leaning hard in to the to the rebel. You know, I mean, they, they hired DJ Durkin. Right. I mean, they. they, they <laughs> well, you got a first time AD. Who, exactly. I, I mean, Lane Kiffin's just saying this is what we're doing, and he's getting whatever he wants. And, and look, Mike Hamilton was a young AD when he was here, and that was his hire, and Lane Kiffin basically did whatever he wanted, got, got kind of whatever he wanted out of it. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you know, the, the league said, don't bring Ed Orgeron back in, and Lane said, I am, and Mike said, well, okay. You know, I mean, there, there was he got whatever he wanted while he was here, and he's doing this, getting the same thing at Ole Miss. So that's going to be interesting. Nor- to watch. Northern Mississippi fencing companies just moved to the edge of their seat. <laughs> All the landscaping companies and everybody else. Final question, I promise, because we're not going to do a podcast before Monday night's championship game. Anybody taking Clemson? No. No, not as of this. Not no. Not as, I, of, not as, not as of Friday. Not as of Friday, but. Closer than I do you think? Th- I do think the line is too high. I do. Th- I just I, Burrow's insane, and those receivers are insane. But it's been hard to bet against Dabo, you know. And I just think Dabo just annoys me so much. I can't actually, you know, pick pick Clemson to win. But it would. Not, I mean, we're talking about two of probably the best quarterbacks. Uh, Two of the better quarterbacks, I should I should rephrase that, in probably the last decade in terms of college football, in ter- you know, going up against each other with Burrow, with well, Burrow the, and Lawrence. The last two championship games, Lawrence Tua, Lawrence Burrow. Man, man, 
Yeah. And the, and the common thing in there is Lawrence just keeps finding a way to win. You know, I mean, he just keeps finding a way, finding ways to go back. I mean, when when LSU played a good quarterback in Tua, who was not 100%, he threw for 400 yards. Yeah. So this is not this dominant LSU defense. I think they've improved, but they're not a dominant defense. I, I think I think take the over in this game because I think there's going to be a lot of points. Now every time I say that, I thought there'd be a lot of points in the Tennessee Indiana game, and it, it didn't turn out as many points as I thought. Don't you think there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game? Uh, yes. Um, you say that reluctantly. Yeah, but I just think it just seems like these games because like the. They take forever to start. There's kind of a choppiness to them. Uh, I think I, I think we could see a second half explosion, but I would not be surprised if there's, there's some, a little clunky if early. A little clunky early. Right. Um, but I'm I'm very much looking forward to this game. Yeah. I, I'm I'm excited to to watch it as just a college football fan and spectator. Yep, should be an interesting one on Monday night. We'll talk about that, but we'll talk mostly about Tennessee football recruiting, Tennessee football, Tennessee basketball in our Tuesday podcast. That's going to do it for this Friday podcast. For Jesse Simonton, Austin Price, and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great Friday, everybody.